Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. If you're a regular listener, you'll know that Jack and I... Hello. Hello, Jack. Hello. Did a show, a live show at the Latitude Festival, which was really fun. Wasn't it great fun? And yeah. There were so many of our podcast listeners in the crowd whooping and cheering when we asked them to. I egged it a little you bit did. at you, the beginning. You were an absolute tart. <laughs> you were behaving like Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> anyway, so we are still here now on the second day of the festival and it's time to do our our annual midterm report. Now, usually what I would do is, first six months of the year, I would run down my top and bottom ten you know, best and worst films of the year. In order to mix this up, I've asked Jack to do a list of top and bottom ten. So, for the next four podcasts, because we've broken them into two, you're going to get ten to six and then five to one of both of our best and worst films or programs or yeah. you know anything that you've... Media. Things media. we've enjoyed or not enjoyed. Things you've enjoyed. In my case, it's films, but in your case, obviously, being younger and more. And also, I mean, I just want to remind everybody that it's not my job, like it is Mark's, <laughs> right. to it watch isn't. everything all the time. It absolutely isn't your job. Okay, so let's do number 10 to number 6 of our... Let's start with the good, okay, okay. of our favourite films of the year. So at number 10 for me, and the same rules apply before... If somebody calls a title and somebody else has it elsewhere in their list, yep. we have to wait until we get to that position. Even Unless, if it's in the bad list? No, if it's in the bad list, then we do two separately so that everything gets a fair crack of the okay. whip. Okay, so, number 10. My, that all made sense, didn't it? Not I think really. so. Yeah, we can follow it. My 10th favourite film of the year, and I am absolutely so pleased we've got this in, Greenland. Gerard wow. Butler, Asteroid Puncher. The best thing about Greenland was... I knew nothing about it other than that it was a Gerard Butler mid-range, you know, action movie directed by Rick Roman War. And I thought, I've got to get out of the way because I've got a whole bunch of stuff to see. And I started watching it at midnight and it finished, you know, like quarter to two. And I was abs- I just thought it was the best action movie I'd seen in ages. And then I woke up the next morning and thought, maybe I was just tired. Maybe I just, you know, it, you know it was late yeah, at night. Maybe definitely. I just imagined it. So I got... My just a bit delirious. Aunt, yeah, I got my family basically to sit down and go, look, is it just me? Or is it, they said, what is it? I said, well, it's Gerard Butler Asteroid Puncher. They said, we don't want to watch that. We, what, you know, you're not even a Gerard Butler fan. And then we sat down and watched it and 10 minutes in, they were going, this is the best action movie I've seen. Wow, is, I honestly, haven't seen it. Jack, it's so good. It's so okay. good. So, so, you know, Asteroid, Asteroid or Meteor, whatever it is, on Some course, sort of disaster is some happening. Some disaster is happening. And he has got an alert on his phone telling him that him and his family have been chosen to go to a secret location, Greenland. But, obviously, the world is in panic. 
and can they get to it? That's the, that's the whole setup, the whole plot. It is. I love movies like that, especially a- action movies where the 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 goal is as simple as that. Yeah. Get, get to, to Greenland. Place. Yeah. <laughs> get to this place before the asteroid destroys all the rest of it. Anyway, I just are you a disaster it. movie? Yeah, fan. Loved, yeah, we did a sequence of cinema on disaster movies when I was a kid. Towering Inferno, Earthquake, Poseidon Adventure, all that stuff. Loved them, loved them, loved them, loved them. But the problem is, most disaster movies, particularly recently, aren't very good. Yeah, like you know, uh, day after tomorrow well it's fine everything gets cold you know yeah exactly like my, my opinion usually on disaster movies is that they're mostly bad and we should stop making them but i'm tempted now yeah, honestly, what, what a rip-roaring review you've just given it's that. just fab i swear i'm gonna get my family in a bunker if you are hearing this broadcast seek shelter immediately if you are hearing this broadcast Seek shelter immediately. Seek shelter immediately. So that's my number 10. What's yours? My number 10 is I Care A Lot. Okay, cool, yeah. Uh, The Rosamund Pike. Yeah. I mean, it's a pseudo-sequel to Gone Girl. Like... Yes. Totally. It must have been pitched that way in some form. I... Know that this, this is this film is sort of split opinion for a lot of people, but I really liked that it was not shy about how every single character was a bit of a bastard, yeah, at least. And I just enjoyed that. I, I've got some uh, scenes in my memory of like everybody like quietly sort of being an asshole to each other, like yeah. without actually bluntly sort of saying what they're doing. Like it's all sort of done through. Um, asides or by um, implying what they're trying to say rather than actually like point blank being horrible to each other. It's it's like people in rooms quietly being pricks to each other. And I, it's also got Rosamund Pike with a smile that could strip wallpaper at 30 paces. Yep. It's, it's all done through this you know, yeah. and the I care a lot. And, and even, and even the, the sort of the palette of the film is all very saturated yeah. and, and very poppy. And I don't think it like some people have had a problem with where the film ends up like what happens in the end i won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it because i really recommend you check it out but there's like a, a, a big thing that happens towards the end of the film that some people have tried to like pull a meaning out of or a message and i don't necessarily think you need to do that no, i think it's don't. just quite a pulpy fun film yeah that i just w- went along for the ride with i thought it was really really great the film that he made uh, before it some time ago called uh, the disappearance of alice creed which is a three-hander mm-hmm. is absolutely brilliant and it's literally for most part it's three people in a room and it's really stripped down and you don't know, you don't trust anybody everybody's kind of double crossing everybody else and it's it's really terrific i enjoyed um, I care a lot, not least because I just thought it was a brilliant piece of casting for Rosamund Pike. Because but you're, you're right, I want to see her do that again. Yeah, Gone Girl. Yeah, so there's Gone Girl, <laughs> and then there's Gone Girl. Good morning, Miss Peterson. I'm sorry to disturb you so early. The court has ruled that you require assistance in taking care of yourself. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm afraid it's not up to you to decide. The court has appointed me to be your legal guardian. What? You have to come with me. And remember, I'm here to help. My name is Marla Grayson. I'm just someone who cares. What's your number nine? Okay, so number nine. Now, this is something that you won't have seen. Okay. Um, A Common Crime, which is an Argentine drama. I I saw it. It was like one of the last films I watched that week. And then I ended up introducing it on uh, BFI Player. And it stars Elisa Caricaco, who is a teacher... And 
her housekeeper's son, in the middle of the night, knocks on her door to be let in. But she doesn't trust him, so she doesn't let him in. And the next thing that happens is he's disappeared. Something terrible has happened to him. The police are probably involved. And she has this overwhelming feeling of guilt that she didn't let him in. And then it kind of becomes, on the one hand, a political thriller. On the other hand, a ghost story. It is directed and co-written by Francisco Marquez, who, um, who made a film called Long Night of Francisco Sanctis. And it's just brilliant because I knew nothing about it other than it's got a very, very haunting poster. And I started watching it. I thought, where is this going? What's the, you know, what's, what, what, what genre are we in? And for most of the rest of the film, you stay in that sense of unease. Wh which genre are we? You know, is it a police thriller? Is it a crime drama? Is it a political drama? Or is it actually a ghost story? Right. And, it kind of becomes, and we talked before about how much I love ghost stories. Anyway, it's a little film. You can find it on BFI Player, or at least you could find it on BFI Player because I did an introduction for it. It's really worth checking out. It's called A Common Crime, and it is just remarkable. If you get a chance, it's like 90 minutes long, but it's stripped down and brilliant. That's my number nine. What's your number nine? My number nine... I'm, I'm sort of working on the order as we go. Yeah, okay. But I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put Loki at my number nine. Okay, which this is, is the, the TV show, the, uh, the Disney Plus TV show. So I, I haven't ha seen it, so tell me. Okay, so <clears throat> Tom Hiddleston in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yes. has died many times. Many times, <laughs> many times. <laughs> and Loki just won't stay dead. Uh, at the beginning of Infinity War, as we all know, his throat was crushed by Thanos, and that was it. That was like to show us just yeah. how powerful Thanos really was. Yeah. Whereas in the end Endgame, when all the timey-wimey stuff was happening, the Tesseract that existed in the first Avengers film ended up in the hands of Loki, and yes. he went through a portal and disappeared to who knows where. Yeah. Open up on this show, he shoots out of a sky, out the sky and lands in just some sand dunes somewhere. Dunes. Sand dunes, well done, <laughs> well done. <laughs> and then, before he can do anything these uh, time police called the TVA step through a portal and take him into their offices and report him as a variant, somebody who's gone off of his timeline and now he has to be okay. basically um, stopped because yeah. there, there is something called the sacred timeline in the MCU um, that, that... They just thought of. <laughs> they are now saying has always existed. It's always been there. Yeah. Um, but Loki... We always meant The Matrix to be a trilogy. Yeah, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but Loki has been saved by um, Owen Wilson's character Mobius cool. um, so that he can help him find the variant that is causing a lot of havoc, who is a variant of Loki. So Loki is looking for Loki. And the whole show is... It's got some, like, Doctor who -y elements to it in terms of, like, jumping through space and time. Yeah. Because now the TVA ex essentially like exists outside of the universe that we've known, okay. um, and so you get to see them going through all these different moments uh, quite freely because you can see that time exists outside of this place. Yeah. Um, but really, the story is about self-love and uh, self-discovery and Loki, this villain. Because when we meet him here, he's not gone through all the development that we see okay. uh, in the MCU films over the last ten years. He's Loki, the villain from. Uh, the first Avengers film and seeing him as a different type of version of himself going through this journey of discovering things that he likes about himself and there's so many like fun sequences in it 
that play with time and you know we've talked about this timey before yeah, timey yeah, yeah, wimey yeah, stuff is my type of jam um so yeah i just thought it was really well executed the director kate heron i have to just admit here is a, is a friend of mine so i definitely have Sorry, a soft that was spot a for that name dropping i think yeah so yeah i think so yeah. no no i'll leave, leave it there, there. i'm gonna leave it there on the floor um and i think she's just done an incredible incredible job she's essentially made a six hour film uh it hasn't been run like a tv show i got to do a, an interview with kate um, on my YouTube channel, it's like an hour-long discussion about the filmmaking behind it, and she was so giddy to, to be able to talk about um, the creation of the show because I think a lot of people obviously have been asking her like, "What are the secrets of Marvel?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I sat there and went, "I'm not bothered about that. Just tell me how you made it, and tell me about the production and how creatively you got to where you got to." Yeah. Um, and it was a really great chat. So if everybody wants to listen to that, please do go check it out. I know what this place is. The timekeepers have built quite the circus. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this too. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. I will check that out. My number eight, okay? I think I told you to see this, but I don't know whether you have. Nobody. Okay. I no, have seen nobody. Have seen it. Now, is it in any of your lists? It is in some of my lists. Is it in one of? Is it in your best or your worst list? It might be in the other list. So you know, that's fine. You've, okay, great. It's in, so in, that it's case, in my so it, bad we, one. So what we do now is I do my why I think it's great, and, and I will not respond. I'll respond later. Respond. Okay. <laughs> so you have to wait for a few yeah, podcasts exactly. for my rebuttal. <laughs> I thought nobody was fantastic. So Bob Odenkirk is this boring nobody who, at the beginning of the of the film we see him being interrogated and he, he's asked but who are you and he says i'm nobody flashes back he's got this boring life and boring job and everything's very, very i'm not boring. even sure if he gets to say i'm nobody i think it cuts him oh, off yeah, and no, just you, cuts yes, to the right. title you're, you're absolutely right and um and then his house gets broken into and he doesn't attack the the incomers and his son is let down why we had a shot that we only the policeman says wow you didn't even take a you know you, you had a club you didn't even take a swing and his neighbor says i wish they broken into my house because i really would have shown them what for and then it turns out that actually very much like um you know uh long kiss good night mm-hmm. long kiss goodbye well, good night i think it is uh that actually he has a past. And the way the past expresses itself is he gets on a bus with a bunch of very bad guys and he says, he, 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 he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going to F you up. <laughs> and it has, then has Bob Odenkirk beating the living shit out of a bunch of people on a bus and that's just the beginning. And then after that, it's insanely good fun. I loved it. I thought Bob Odenkirk, who I love because I'm a big fan who of doesn't? Who doesn't, yeah. It's such an odd choice for him. 
him to be making that movie, I thought it was a really, really, you know, strange but brilliant choice. I think the fight sequences are brilliantly done. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was, you know, it looks like it's a kind of unholy mishmash of Taken and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but actually it is a completely different thing. And I It's a th- bit more John Wick than anything else, I think. Yeah, well, it's a, there, there, is, there is a genetic connection with it in terms mm. of so people involved in John Wick are involved in it. But I actually, I've got to say, I preferred it to John Wick. That's my number wow. eight. We're going to find out what you think of it in, when we, in, in, in a few podcasts. You can't say anything now. So they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch? Mr. Madsen, did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know? Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Because you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me that so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. Okay, so your number eight. My number eight, um, I'm going to go ahead and say is Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay, yeah. Um, we've talked about it a lot. Um, I'm not going to repeat myself much. No, hang on, no, no, hang on, but you can't because Judas and the Black Messiah is in my list oh, as well. Right. So you now have to put that on hold. We will get to do it in this one okay. though, because it's coming up quite soon. Okay, so the streams are starting to cross. So I'm on to my number seven in that case. So okay. my number seven is uh, First Cow, which is the Kelly Reichardt movie. I'm a big Kelly Reichard fan anyway, set in 1820s Oregon, and the, it's basically a story of friendship between these two characters who discover that they can make these delicious cakes, oily cakes, but in order to do it, they need to steal milk from the, from the first cow, the only cow in the land, which is owned by Toby Jones. And the film is about a lot of things. It's about friendship, and it's about industrialization. It's about the American dream and all those kind of things, but I almost love it most. Is it a cow scene. heist movie? No, they just milk the cow. They don't. They don't steal the cow. But I mean, yes, I suppose technically it's a cow heist movie. <laughs> but there is a scene in it in which Toby Jones's character, who is um, the kind of the boss of the area, it's his cow, and he, they're they're selling these oily cakes, as they call them. And Toby Jones eats this cake, and he says, "I taste London in this cake. A small bakery I once knew in South Kensington." And I have never seen anybody eat a cake with such totality of involvement as Toby Jones. I mean, I love Kelly Riker anyway. I think her films are really great. But I think it's a wonderful film. I would almost include it just for the scene in which Toby Jones eats a cake and tastes <laughs> London in it. Because it's just, it's delicious. Tall cow today. First cow in the territory. This ain't a place for cows. That's no place for a white man either. I sense opportunity here. Seems dangerous. So is anything worth doing? Damn it, what's in this thing? I taste London in this game. Some people can't imagine being stolen from. And like us, Cookie. Take away! We have to make our own way. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My number seven, I'm going to say, is uh, the TV show This Way Up which is uh, Ashling B's... Um, uh, sh- have you ever seen it no, before? No, nothing about it. Um, so the first series um, starts with her coming out of... I'm, gonna say, I'm, I'm not going to say rehab, but I think she was in a, mens- a mental institute. Mm-hmm. I think she'd attempted suicide. Um, and the first... It's a comedy series, just mm-hmm. to put that out there first. Okay, um, cool. So it's basically about her like struggling with her mental health and getting back into society and building her relationships with her sister and uh, the people around her and herself. The first series I loved very, very much came out in 2019. The second series is just started airing, but it's all available on uh, the Channel 4 app or the website or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and the second series is picking up where it's left off. She's in a relationship. Um, her sister is played by Sharon Horgan, who yeah. I very much uh, yeah, who's great. love. She's yeah, so funny she's and brilliant. Um, and it's just the type of comedy that I really love where it's so cinematically done in a really like... And I'm going to speak really in, in sort of a filmmaker's terms now with, as to why I really enjoy this. But it's like, it's not showy, but it's so beautifully done. Okay. Like, a lot of comedy, I find a lot of the time, will cut to whoever's talking or like show you all the reaction shots and try and construct for yeah. you the funniest version of the scene. Whereas I find that this is like really reserved in the way that it's photographing the scenes. It sort of just holds on them. It really reminds me of the way that like 70s cinema would be done but in a with a modern sort of twist on it where um the uh the framing of it is, is just sort of holding on a scene in a really beautiful way and it's also on a on a character level it's demonstrating stuff that i don't really ever see on television like somebody having a depressive episode over a weekend seeing what that looks like and how real that looks and then lying to the people around you about how you feel okay. and just seeing that sort of stuff represented so honestly is sometimes difficult it's like i had to take a break uh, after watching a particular episode because i was like okay that's that got to a place okay. that i'm too too familiar with okay um, but yeah beautifully done very funny and uh yeah just massively would i like it, it. I, I think so would i get it yeah 100 percent I definitely think you would. Okay. Yeah, totally. It'd be nice to be in bed with someone at night other than my pile of shit boyfriend. What pile of shit boyfriend? Just like the pile of shit on the other side of my bed where a person should be. Oh, come on, mate. Just clear it off your bed. It'd be nice to have a reason to clear it off. Gonna take my time. My boss wants me to start a teaching business with him. Anya, this is huge. I know. No, but I mean, it might be too big. Shut up. 
I'm a brilliant teacher. The students love you. What does my face look like? Crazy. Very funny, Mo. And the parents love you. Bye, Etienne. But we can't tell anyone here until we have it set up. Wow, so many secrets. What do you mean? Uh, life. James. <laughs> I'll be home in two weeks. And then we're getting married. Show the uh, little baby me. What are you going to do with that? Aw. Might open up the stitching at the back and... Oh, oh. brother, no! I wish I was there. Strangely. You're planning on sleeping with one of your clients. It's not the best move. I really like him, Shona. You need to up the horny. Do a little dance. Dance? Like Britain's Got Talent? Don't make me laugh. But also, well done for knowing that cultural reference. I will check that out because that sounds fascinating. It's really good. My number six is Judas and the Black Messiah. So I'm okay. going to allow you to go first because you had this slightly higher up. I know we're both fans of this film. What massively, did you um, massively a fan of this film. I, um, I've told, I've said this before, but I, again, like the way that it's shot, I really, really love. I love the playful use yeah, of the camera, it? and it's so beautifully lit and. And I saw it in the cinema when the cinemas opened up again. I'd obviously rented it like everybody else and watched it at home and took the opportunity to see it in the cinema purely because I was like, it's so beautiful, I need to see it on the big screen. But actually what I came out with this time was like how overwhelming the story is and how yeah. tragic and heartbreaking it is. And of course, worth saying, it's a true story and it's framed yeah. within the context of actual footage mm -hmm. of the character that the Keith Stanfield plays and the things that you imagine cannot be true are, you know are all stamped to no, know that's absolutely when you get incorrect. to see the actual interview at the end yeah. of the of the and then there's that horrible like, i mean i don't want to spoil it for anybody this is just the true fact that the the real person that Lee stanfield is playing after the interview that yeah. was done committed suicide because i mean i assume all that guilt that he's been suppressing rushed to the surface pretty quickly um yeah it's a it's not a fun tale but it's a very important film to, to watch i think and it's great that it's being made and clearly very timely right now because you know it doesn't feel like that much has changed really like these issues yeah. still seem to be like very much in, in, in the core of what's going on it right is, now it is funny i have found myself writing the phrase when i've written reviews seems more timely now than it yeah. ever did several times in the past couple of years but in the case of this it did feel like Absolutely, the uh, Shaka King had got, you know, this was a story that was absolutely for now. I think the performances are brilliant. I thought there was that really weird thing about the fact that Daniel Kaluuya and um, Lakeith Stanfield were both nominated for Best Supporting Actor, yeah. when we know that they're really, they're both leading actor roles. Of course, um, Daniel Kaluuya was you know, winning the awards, and there was a suggestion at one point that Lakeith Stanfield should be lead, because it's really technically about his character. Yeah. But it's, it's Which that... is such an interesting way of framing this story yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what a, I think a brave choice from the filmmakers to sort of put you with him yeah. and help you understand his perspective and kind of empathise with him and kind of, at the beginning, have fun with his little, like, his shtick of, like, dressing up like a detective in order to steal cars. Like, yeah. it feels quite fun, almost like quite Soderbergh, Ocean's Eleven vibes. Yeah, And then yeah. it goes into much darker, And as you say about the cinematography, in the very beginning, when we see him doing the heist, you know, the kind of the, yeah. the first job running, it is all super slick and the mm -hmm. camera movement is really, really stays fluid. stays with him and, yeah. the whole time. I want to share something with you. Like the masses, I was in awe when I first laid eyes on all the things you are. I heard that speech.
I knew we make noise. I just thought it'd be in the streets. The Black Panthers are the single greatest threat to our national security. Our counterintelligence program must prevent the rise of a black messiah. You're looking at 18 months for the stolen car, five years for impersonating a federal officer, or you can go home. What do you want? Get close to Hampton. The Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Neutralize him by any means necessary. America's on fire right now. And until that fire is extinguished, nothing else means a damn thing. Imagine what we could accomplish together. Beautiful, beautiful, very Scorsese influence. Okay, so I love that. So what was your number six? My number six is, I'm going to say it's WandaVision. Okay, so you're, this was moving around on your yeah. list. You're literally editing yeah, as you I'm go. I'm literally okay. editing as we go. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm with you on WandaVision. Yeah. So I, I, have you got it on your list? You haven't got it on your list because you're thinking no, 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 cinema. But, no, but I, I saw it because I'm a huge Paul Bettany fan. Mm-hmm. And I did a little interview with Paul um, about WandaVision because, you know, for me, WandaVision was one of those where everyone was saying, watch WandaVision. Everyone was saying, watch WandaVision. I went, oh, all right. And then I did. It was, oh, no, this is really, really fascinating. And I said to Paul Bettany, can you just, in the interview, I said, can you just explain what WandaVision is? And he went, no. Because <laughs> it was like, you know. You can't really sum it up that quickly. Because <laughs> no. I, when I heard that Marvel were doing television, I sort of groaned a little bit. I was right. like, okay. Because like, I know that their main focus is always going to be their films. Okay. So I was worried that these um, stop-off points on Disney Plus would be sort of these in-between things that wouldn't be that significant because... They're never going to like trust that everybody's going to be able to watch everything all the times, but they're going to want their big tentpole films to be understood by as many people yeah, as possible. Yeah. So I was really concerned, just being like, "Are these just going to be like fluffy, like nothing kind of things?" But WandaVision being the first one out the gate, which wasn't supposed to be the plan actually, it's because of the way that the world happened for the right. last year that WandaVision became the first one, and I'm I was so blown away by it. And there was a few people chatter online on you know, on Twitter and stuff like that of people being like it feels like someone's art project or like at the beginning of the, the show is moving too slow and I was like shut up like it's so <laughs> clear that it's like building it's building up it's like creating really really solid groundwork for where this is going please it's really me, strange please creepy you didn't vibe. go on Twitter to correct people yeah. being stupid you didn't go, no it's not it's actually very good and how dare, right, right, right. No, I just thought it yeah, it's good. I well didn't done. tweet anybody um, but it was just from the first episode, I was like, I love this. Like, yeah. just really going for that sitcom. I, I almost wish it went on for longer, that, that sitcom building up to the, yeah. to the more Marvel type of yeah. stuff that it ends up doing. But we got three episodes with, before we ever got any context for what, what was, was going, going on. on yeah. And I think it's really special that we got that. And it's, there's no other way we could have got that if it wasn't within something like the MCU because nobody else would have taken a risk on that type of show yeah. because it had to have an already established fan base to yeah. come in and enjoy and know, understand that this is going somewhere. Yeah. Otherwise, those three episodes would feel like, what the hell are we watching? But also because, you know, because the plot is basically, there's a couple 
who slowly over the course of time start to realise that they're living in a sitcom and that, sit- and that sitcoms are used to represent specific periods of history and also the whole point about a sitcom is that it is a balm, a palliative for the soul in a post-traumatic... And you go, what? Mm-hmm. Pitch- Sorry, give me that pitch again. How, yeah. how is that working? So it's the Truman Show. You go, no, no, it's not the Truman Show. Nope. They go, oh, so it's Ed TV. No, it's not Ed TV. It's it's absolutely its own beast. I'm yeah. really glad you had that in. I'm, I'm kind of interested because it was obviously nearly in the top five. You yes. sort of shifted that. Yeah, around. yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I'm I'm just I'm I'm trying to keep the films I think in the top five and, okay. and, not, and not have too much television in this. Okay. Um, although it has been a big focus for the, my year so far has been that and it's also because again not my job to see everything but I am I, I can't help it a big Marvel fanboy so as soon as that stuff comes out I am all over it um, yeah. but yeah I thought it was great and loved where it ended up going some of the Marvel-y stuff that they ended up doing with it you know, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered some other people. Ultimately, I thought it did a fantastic job with the characters and the thematic, you know, way it dealt with Wanda's grief. I thought that was wonderful. And it really surprised me in terms of, like, making it a significant piece of work. Because now, when I go and watch even past Marvel things, and obviously when when we see future Marvel things, I'm going to have a different relationship with the characters of Wanda and Vision. Yeah than I did before and I think yeah. that's what these shows should be used for is to sort of create depth for these characters and so far mostly that feels like what they're doing it's twilight time Wanda and Vision aren't we a five pair this is our home now I want us to fit in oh this is gonna be a gas where did you two move from how long have you been married and why don't you have children yet our story I think what my wife means to say is that we moved from Moved from where? Married when? Damn it, why? Oh, Arthur, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Deep in the dark, your kiss will This is really happening. Like days of old, lighting the spark of love that fills me. Am I dead? No. Why would you think that? Because you are. Okay, so look, that's got us from number 10 to number 6 of our top 10 best of the year for the first six months of the year. So we're going January through June. Next podcast, we're going to do number 10 to number 6 of our worst of the year so far. If you've enjoyed listening to this, remember to subscribe, tell your friends. Do catch up with the other episodes because we've only gone 10 to 6 of the best, 10 to 6 of the worst coming up next. Jack, I'll see you on the other side. I'll see you in a minute. We're just going to do this in a second. I know, I was creating a kind of like a dramatic, like a thing. Oh, right. you know, well, we'll television. just cut this out. It's like serial television. We'll come back and we'll go previously uh, on yeah, yeah. Film. Okay, nice. <laughs> <laughs> see you soon. 